podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to um, Euro Incision Podcast. Um, uh, we are covering week one of the group stages, game week one. Um, so much went, so much went down. Uh, two managerial sackings, plenty of goals, and um, I think the Reds have failed to show up for the Champions League at the moment. And um, yeah, bringing his A game on this podcast, something that I cannot say for Liverpool. And uh, <laughs> um, it's. It's the familiar voice, the glue that holds everything together. Don't you get rusty on me on that mic, Themis. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you? It's nice to be back. It's yeah. great It's great to have you back. And I'm just going to let listeners know, Themis is really, really busy. So we really, really appreciate him taking out time to talk to us. Don't mention, he, don't mention that. That's between and, us. And, 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 and even more so, the fact that he agreed to do this podcast after that performance and that result. So Themis, I'm going to go there. Napoli, yeah. you know, um, for um, uh, Napoli won Liverpool uh, I'm just going to just get something off my chest straight away. Um, I think we can all agree it's not been a great season. But you know what? Um, I was thinking a lot about the conversations we've had uh, in the past. And um, you've always said when we were winning the, like, the six games in the group and you're like, you know what? I want Liverpool to have a stinker in the group because it saves us yeah. later on. And I was remembering your words. And you know what? They, you know, they, they were words filled with wisdom. But when I look at that, that bad result and that performance, it, it feels like, well, under any other circumstances, I would believe that. Not right now. I have no idea. Themis, I'm all about losing. Losing is part of the game. Yeah, you win some, you lose yeah. some. I like it, but I can accept it. But for me, it was that performance. It was the lack of desire, the lack of caring, the carelessness, the just the ineptness of, you know, senior players. It was so bad for minute dot. You know, Aussie men gave us warning signs in minute one. In minute one. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I'm going to let you talk, but like I, I left, I finished that game in such a foul mood. Well, yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I have to be honest here. I was in that mood just describing. Uh, before kickoff, I mean, mm. I have a friend of mine. We work together, and he always bets on football games and stuff oh, like yes, that. Oh yes, yes, yes. He told the and, yes, yes, yes. I've heard about. Yeah, it. he's not he's not working for our sports website. He's in the news, uh, strictly news department. And uh, earlier, about three hours before kickoff, he was leaving uh, the office, and he told me tough game tonight, right? And I told him, I'm I'm thinking you're betting on Napoli, right? 
And he said, yeah, unfortunately, because he knows I'm a huge Liverpool fan. Yeah. And I told him, you know what? Before the game, pick three Liverpool players to be cautioned. So I do that. I mean, I told him, did you bet on, on Napoli to win, right? He said, he said, yeah, I did. Okay. Extra bet. Pick Liverpool players to be cautioned. Because they're going to be cautioned, they're going to take a yellow card. He said, how do you know? I said, I know, because Napoli, Napoli are very fast. Liverpool are basically walking. So I'm thinking yellow cards for sure. So use your instinct and pick some players. And I think you have a great chance of um, winning even more money than uh, you will, because Napoli are going to win. And he came to work today and he said, yeah, I'm going to buy you a, you need a coffee, some, something like that, because <laughs> I won because Napoli won. I picked Milner and Van Dijk to be cautioned. Uh, before halftime, they both got uh, yellow carded. So my mood before the game and I know it's not the mood of a Liverpool fan. I know you should be supporting, wishing for the best for any game. And this is what I love about Liverpool when they are at their strongest. That if you're a Liverpool fan, you're not to be you're not supposed to be scared of any opponent or any ground. You can always believe that you can do it. But unfortunately, there is my headline for you and the listeners. Right now there are many believers. Right now. Mm. It's not about the result, as you said. It's not about losing, because that's part of the game. It's about the favorite team on the pitch. Not in one, just one game, but in several games yes. in a row. And not recognizing what you see. A team that gives you the feeling that you're not familiar with these players. <laughs> I mean, we've watched these players perform, I don't know, how many times? 100 games, 50 mm. games, 60 games, 200 games. We know them. We know how they run. We know how they react. We know how they cut inside, how they, they, their, their first touch, the second touch, how they change directions. We know everything about them. The body language. We know them. We don't know them as a pers- as persons, but we know what they look like when they play football. Even when they're having a bad day, we know what a bad day looks like. Yeah. This, is not a bad bad day at the office. No, it's, it's not about you know a dip in performance level or stuff like that. This is this doesn't look like that. No, it really doesn't. And you know, like you you know, like like I touched on the the you know the the, the best players that we have are not delivering. It feels like. You know, it's like a domino effect of like negative vibes or bad energy or or a lack of form, and it's just kind of rubbing off on everyone. I mean, you look at the the team that Jurgen Klopp put out, um, you know, and I think the one that kind of like it's it's the you know like if you look at it on paper, um, the mm-hmm. defense is solid. If on the, when they first if they are on their best game, shall we say? Because obviously we know like our fullbacks are just not performing right now. Same with our defense as well. You know, it's been a bit everywhere, but you know the midfield. For me, it looks really, really shaky and, you know, ropey. I think just throwing in James Milner at the age of 36 and rinsing yeah. him for all the performances that he has got in him, 
Um, and to use him like that is absolutely negligent. And obviously a young Harvey Elliott who's having to carry like this team and like obviously like mm-hmm. there's there's deficiencies in his game, which we know because he's a young kid. But you know, throughout the season he's probably been one of our most consistent performers, which is quite troublesome in my opinion. And the front three, I mean, you know, Salah who has just completely lost his um, uh, you know, his ability to kind of get involved in the game, you know so anonymous all season and, you know, brought that forward. For Mino as well, I mean, yeah, he's had a few bright spots in a couple of games and the only one that showed absolute willingness was, um, was um, you know, Diaz. And, Diaz, um, you, yeah. you know, he's got a bit of fight in him and he's the only one that doesn't look like he's been affected by, you know, this this lack of energy or this lack of concentration. For me, theme is it's the basic stuff that we're not doing correct. You look at that, you know, like... You know, like they were, they, you know, they were getting pressed. There was so much space. You know, there was no, um, uh, you know, cohesion with the passing. I think spatial awareness, tactical nouncer, where you should be in the game. You know, just making it so easy. We, we looked so vulnerable in every aspect of defence. It was so bad. And then, you know, there were certain players of theirs that absolutely lapped it all up. And of course, you know, the, the hipster that everyone is talking about, the football hipster now that who's just announced himself in Serie A, the Clarence yeah. Gellia. Absolutely. Yeah. And since that, obviously, I, you know, I've been watching Serie A this season. Like, I've, I've made, I'm making more time to watch the games and I've been watching this kid. And I thought, who, and I did a little video on, um, on my Instagram, and I just said whoever's on the right is is going to really, really struggle with that kid. Yeah, he's so good, and you know, like, and people, you know, and there's some people who will talk about, you know, Liverpool going through like a transition and stuff. And if anything, it should be Napoli who should be going through a transition with the big names that they've lost, and they look like such a cohesive unit. And you know, and I, I was just so perplexed. I mean, within six minutes. Yeah, make it even harder on yourself and give away a mindless penalty. Even things like that. We gave away two penalties. <laughs> well, uh, you were spot on about, you know, the the footballer from Georgia. Who, unfortunately, I've known him a couple of years ago because he was the one that destroyed Greece in a Nationals League game. And he was a completely unknown back then, two years mm, ago. Absolutely, he was. Uh, yeah, and he he is still now, but he is making his name because he's uh, signing in Serie A, as you said, and uh, now he got that result last night. I've, read, I've been reading the Italian press, and they're saying that this result and the performance is not only important in the group stage of uh, for Napoli, but also in a way to give them the confidence, the belief that they can do it finally after Diego Maradona. And win the Serie A because if you can beat Liverpool like that, why not? Why not win the league? Why not go all the way? Because you know that, that's what they're feeling right now. They're feeling that they are at the top of the world. But getting back to Liverpool, is talking or hearing and listening others talk about the high defensive life, right? All year long, last season. Mm-hmm. All you could hear about is the high defensive line and if it's working or not. Myself, and uh, yeah, I apologize to anyone who has a different opinion. I've always thought that this, it's a rubbish discussion because it worked amazingly for us. Yep. It was perfectly tuned. And yeah, 
at some times it didn't work, but overall it was one of the for a team that was absolutely amazing. And if you if you had the you know you haven't watched any of the games, you were away in a coma or something like that. Yeah, in an island or something like that. And you, you finally got uh, your the results so far in the season. You would probably think, well, what's happening here? Because Liverpool are having horrible results. Is is it the high line? And the answer is no, it's not, because the goal the goal we considered at Old Trafford, Sancho, we considered versus Newcastle, Isaac, and the goal we considered at the at the end of half, the first half last night. The same goal. Uh, behind the goal, we are beh- behind the ball with many defenders. There is no high line, no transition, no running back, no space behind Trent or something like that. Things we have talked about a lot. None of those things were behind the ball, organized. The opponent has the ball at the edge of the of the penalty box, and one or two seconds later, one on one with Allison or even with an empty net. And the ball is uh, is in our goal. So when you, when you look at that, same goal in three games, making it look so easy. Because I know I'm certain that you and the listeners have seen this viral viral video today that's making rounds in Twitter and TikTok and uh, Instagram and stuff like that about uh, Trent and everybody. Mm-hmm. When Nguisa makes it 2-1 and, you know, you can play, when he makes it 2-0 and he plays a nice little 2-1 with his little teammate before our players even know what is going on around them. That's the same goal we considered versus Newcastle. That's the same goal. But it's the other side of the pitch and the other side of the other corner of the, of the box. That's the same goal, the same. And it's not about striking back, it's not about high defensive life, it's not about Konate, it's not about Joe Gomez losing his ability. It's an overall thing. That thing's, that's why it worries me too much. Because it's not the same players coming again. Versus Newcastle, it was Henderson. Now it was Fabinho. It, it was Robertson. And now it, it's Trent. We mixed in the same. My God, it's so easy mm. to do that. And I will understand the the first the first play of the game. I give the high line, hitting the post. I can understand that. The fourth goal, I can understand what's going wrong, because there is no pressure on the ball, and it's easy for them to throw it uh, forward. You know, break away in transition. The goal Rashford scored, no Trafford. I can understand what is going on because we're committing too many bodies up front in order to get something back from the game. And yeah, you're vulnerable at the, at the transition. But when you're defending with everybody behind the ball, position get the tapping. Or Isaac making his Premier League debut, debut is scoring. Then it's, it must be something more than just, you know, not clicking and uh, high defensive line and stuff like that. No, no, no. It's much, much more worrying. And I'm, I'm, I have to ask you now, so if I'm split, 
split is between thinking that it's all about intensity and players who can no, lo no longer cover the ground at the intensity needed and it's about, you know, carelessness, not caring, not believing, keeping the wall in their heads and do it all over again because we go again is you know one of the mottos but still go again I don't know what's your opinion about that because I'm torn myself for me it feels like obviously that theme is like this was a quadruple challenging side yeah. this season yeah, yeah I think mean, people exactly. need to remember that there haven't been yeah, of big, in every, big... In, in, in every conversation, we have to remember that. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, you have to remember that. You also have to remember that they've not... You know, when people talk about, oh, transition, oh, Liverpool are going through a transition, they've lost one key player that was a starter in Sadio Mane. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And to be fair, he wasn't in, like, his best of shape. He had a... You know, he started looking pretty decent towards the end of the season when, you know, Diaz took the left and he was playing more central and, you know, he was bullying yeah. the and, and such things. So you look at all that. And so we've already lost one player. Now, I think what has happened is, and obviously, and I think in that regard, we've been quite smart because what we did was we got in, um, Diaz when we noticed that, you know, um, what's his face? Um, uh, you know, think he's not doing so great. Sadio Mane, we brought Jota in. You know what? Uh, in the Champions League final, I think we all can agree that, you know, there was a lot of crosses coming in. Because, you know, Trent was once upon a time really good at crosses, you know. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and what we were missing was a focal point threatening that area and something that maybe think, um, a player like Firmino lacks instinctively. Like, I still remember, and I hate to talk about the Premier League because this is a Euro show, but that, that mess up or that, you know, brain fart between, um, was it Martinez and, um, uh, Bruno Fernandes, where they just about cleared it and, you know, Firmino was so slow to react. You know, that kind of presence in the box, you got it in Nunes, yeah? It's been, yeah. it's been addressed. Crosses come in, you've got a big guy and he's not only just good for the headers, he's actually quite good with his feet as well. We've just not seen an awful lot of him because of the suspension. So, you know, he's not mm -hmm. got his rhythm. For me, I think the issue is we should have slowly but surely kind of been bringing a little player in here and there. Here and there. Like the way Man City have been doing it. And certainly in midfield. For me, I just feel like there is a big gap in the middle of the park. There is. Absolutely. It's not how you feel it. It's how you see it. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, the <laughs> midfield, like you and I have watched so much football. We've grown up on it. And, you know, you will always agree that games, I know it sounds so cliche, I hate to go there, but games are won and lost in midfield. Look at Napoli, you know, a quiet little guy like Labotka and Anguissa were just running things really, really calmly and quietly. Yeah, because basically, we don't have a big problem in our attack, in our offense. I I know there's a dip in Salah's form and stuff like that, but Diaz is very sharp, and mm -hmm. I'm very pleased with that I've seen from Nunez so far. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only his header, his ability to to find shots, whatever uh, the opposition is, and uh, 
I, I don't think there is a problem in our offense. I think we have been betrayed by our midfield because uh, it's it's not only it's no longer easy for us their opponent, our opponent in their penalty box and attack again and again and again, you know, and find the momentum that we used to because teams were feeling hopeless at some point that they, they haven't conceded yet, but they are about to concede because they cannot breathe. Because they are stuck in the penalty box. We are trying everything we can and we bring Trent in the mix-up and stuff like that and we always find a way to score, right? Mm. The main reason because we're not seeing that because it's, it's, we cannot constrain them. We have an attack, build up and stuff like that, and uh, nothing comes off. And then they have the ball and they strike, they run straight halfway line because nobody's really there to stop them. And I know, for example, Fabinho is getting a lot of criticism. You know what? He, he's one of the best, but even. You can't do three man's job. You can't do three yeah. players' job. There's nobody that good. I'm sorry. It's it's unfair and it's wrong. And you know to put him, you know, with kid with a child who's actually a winger. He's not even a midfielder. But you know, it, it is what it is. There's so many injuries. Naby Keita hasn't made the squad. You know, uh, Thiago. Um, obviously, but you know, he came on. Things started looking infinitely better with him. In you know, he he actually came on and probably had a better performance than players that play the entire but for me it's it's the midfield it is massively imbalanced massively and yeah. i just think i just think it can't go on that you are still using those players like you know your, your jordan henderson's that you're relying on them who you know one thing whatever side of the debate you're on with regards to players like jordan henderson i know he didn't play but you know he would have been Jurgen Klopp's go-to guy let's be honest However you feel about your, um, uh, Jordan Henderson, whether you love him or or you don't rate him, um, uh, but you know that's up to you. One thing you could never ever criticize Jordan Henderson was of um, he had steam and he always 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 used to like um, you know, chase down the ball and you know try being a pressing um, you know machine and he'd you know try winning the ball back and you know he always gave you know he he. He might not have been an advanced midfielder in the sense that, you know, always playing the adventurous pass. He might always play the safe pass, mm-hmm. but he always, always, you know, when he was in his, in his heyday, shall we say, he was like a bit of a Duracell, like, um, energizer bunny kind of thing. You know, he just ran around and chased people and tried to win the ball back. And that, he's lost out of his game. He's lost it. So what is he? No, nothing, nothing. And yeah, what, as you said about Fabinho, Johan Cruyff once said that, uh, don't talk to, don't talk to me about the pace, uh, the speed of footballers, because it's all about the space. And, uh, my Barcelona dream team had Guardiola. Neither of those was a fast footballer. I made the, it was, it was, I tried to give them the least amount of space to defend. If you put them in the biggest space, they will be exposed. They, as you, you are correct, they have no pace. But never um, shown to the public that they didn't have space, pace, because they have to defend it in tight spaces. Right now, we do what we have been doing in the past seasons. Mm. Now, we, 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 we're trying to do the same stuff, but 
what we have been doing in all those years of excellent football requires clever players are out of are at their best of all form. That's for me is the absolute requirement to play the way Liverpool have played in the past seasons. Ten out of your have to be at their best form. Ten out of eleven. Yeah. You can carry one person having the best uh, month of his uh, career, right? We can carry him uh, for a month or so because are at, at the top form. Right yeah. now, we make a starting lineup. Those players, physically, not mentally, not fighting the back of the net. I'm not talking about you know finishing uh, purple parts or stuff like that, or you know missing chances like Sadio had in the past, or more even more had in the past. I'm not talking about scoring goals and find you know a vein of form in front of goal and then it goes away and it disappears and suddenly you can you can no longer score in five or in four or five uh, consecutive games. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the physical state. About, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about their intensity, their running, their stamina, and stuff like that. 11 players out of the equation. Okay, you have 10 players. How many of those players, if, if we make a starting 11 right now, how many of those 10 outfield players are at the top of the game physically? Who can we count on? Diaz? Yeah. Okay. Maybe Robo? No, um, I, you know, I'll be honest. I, I think he needs speed. But for Shemikas now, at least we have that option. And on the other side, <laughs> we don't even have that option. No, so I thought Shemikas did all right in against the in the Merseyside derby. I, it's so sad that we are in a state where the top four. I like Robbo. You know, I like Robbo. But if you're not playing, then I and you're not playing well, then I think you know it. We need to change something up. Um, I know Jurgen Klopp said, I mean, I know Jurgen Klopp said it's time to reinvent ourselves. For me, it's just about going back to basics. Okay. So on the, on the premise that you're saying that, you know, um, the, those players start like your robots and obviously with Trent, we don't really have an option. I guess you could switch in with Gomez, yep. but like, again, didn't have the best. You know, it is, it's looking so bad. I just feel like there's probably players in that team mm-hmm. that know that they can't be dropped. And that is maybe not a good thing. Yeah. But you know what? Right now they are dropped because you are losing away at Old Trafford, right? Game. It is to him that I know we are losing. We need you. Game. But you are out of the game. That happened versus Newcastle again, right? Mm. We were not winning when Trent went out of the game. No. And, and and Klopp decided that it's better to finish the game and try to win it at the death with Milner as, as right back instead of Trent. Message. Because it's easy to say, yeah, five subs this season, amazing. Klopp finally got what he wanted. He's going to use that to protect the players, to, to, to keep them fresh, to give youngsters an opportunity to play and keep everybody in the mix, right? That's what happened. What's uh, happening when you're when you're winning? When you're winning one nil, two nil, something like that, and you say, okay, why should we uh, give a rest or something like that? We were not winning versus Newcastle. 
we were not winning versus United or Trafford, and both games we finished the game without Trent. Mm. Because Klopp said, "Out you go." Yeah, and you know, just because is that because of his performance, because he was horrible, or is it because Klopp knows play with the same intensity for more than an hour? Fun is more worrying right now. Mm. It meant that Trent shows trending, or that maybe careless or indifferent, able to run the way required. Because if it's the latter, it will be serious trouble. Yeah. Don't resolve. Uh, in one in one or two weeks time, it's not about you know giving him a hair dryer treatment and forcing him to be you know more responsible and stuff like that. If it's about his intensity, because <laughs> you cannot fix that in one or two weeks time, that's not possible. I mean, in this game though, Themis, I mean, like you know. Mm-hmm. They were just having so much joy. So, you know, in, in the first minute, we talked about Aussie men early. You know, it was like almost yeah. like a Mosala esque kind of chance for him. In three minutes, you know, Politano shot, you know, Emma, Krylat Scalia, really instrumental in that again. And then within like five minutes, we, we can see the penalty. And I, I mean, we're a bit everywhere because I, uh, listeners probably listen to this thinking you've just kind of just spoke about Liverpool in general. But for me, it, it kind of, what Liverpool have done is they bought all that, those bad performances and those bad um, lapses of concentration into this game, and I think that's why we kind of went there. Uh, you know, I'm just putting that out there for the listener. But I mean, what did you like? Liverpool are being outrun by everyone, and you know, this was a really, mm-hmm. really tough away game for Liverpool. We knew this because we don't win there, and you know. Anyone that's been watching Napoli will know that they are playing some good football. Like, respect them. And I just feel like, I don't know what we went into. Like, like you said, you look at some of those names and it's enough. Like, on paper, they are good enough. And, you know, stupid, stupid things were happening. Okay, yeah, James Milner. I am, I think everyone knows that I don't think he should be playing for Liverpool. The, you know, like you, he's one of those players that he was meant to be brought on for, for like five, ten minutes at the end to shore up a game or whatever. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, um, be, be a mentor to, you know, the younger players in, in cup competitions. You know, that's the kind of role yeah, that he should like, have had. Be like a victory cigar, like, like a victory cigar when you're winning. Yeah. To celebrate your victory. And for me, that game, the way Liverpool played and the lack of intensity and the lack of anything, to me, it just felt like it was, it was a James Milner testimonial match, but it went mm-hmm. horribly wrong for him. But like, you know, bringing the best channel challenges and things, but it was just horrendous from, from, from the minute go. And I, I worry, you know, because like, I, I'm looking at it and, like, you know, normally when there's something wrong, you can pinpoint one thing. And here, there seems to be a collection of things that don't look right. And errors all over the... I think one thing that will really, really help, I'm going to try spinning this in the positive, is is the fact that we... 
I think what we need to do is we actually need to. It's it, for me, like I just think the midfield has not been addressed. I'm just going to put that out there, and yeah. I I think yeah. maybe now if you but, are a little light on the midfielders, then you go gung ho in your attack. Maybe play two man midfield. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. what I'm but saying, but in the state of the midfielders, yeah, how can you play two and take one out when no one is at the top of the game? I mean, <laughs> what you're saying. Makes sense, but if we're gonna move a midfielder, then it's none of them be at the top of the game right now. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Thiago. I mean, that was embarrassing for everybody to see Thiago it come really back, was. yeah, and win more duels than anybody else on the pitch as a substitute. I mean, that was a slap in the face. And come back fresh of injury yeah. as well. And it's stereotypically known that players are not normally the best when they've literally just been thrown in after an injury. Like there's a there's like an easing in period, a bedding in period. But things were so so bad that you know him coming back from an injury, he's still playing better than you. Not only with the ball, because we know his ability on the ball. Even off it, I was watching him, his movement, and yeah. I was just telling him, I, I miss this so much. And his willingness and his uh, ego and pride. Say, you know what? We are famous footballers. We cannot on the team and move on. We're losing 4-0 here. I mean, trying to win some battles, try to, to show some desire to the travelling fans and those who are watching and from home. I mean, when Klopp said that we have to reinvent ourselves, I've been spending for every hour and then trying to figure out what he meant. Mm. It's been inside his head and maybe that quote means nothing, but maybe that quote means something and I'm trying uh, my luck to you know to guess. You know one thing you, I will I will give. say I will say after his post match comments, he looked humbled. It's like he's had a big dose of humble pie, and it was needed because even yeah. when he said those comments, um, you know we we watched the press conferences before a game, and he goes maybe all of you lot are right, and maybe I do need a midfielder. Like to me, I kind of took it as like a bit like condescending you know like no yeah. I'm fine I'm fine and he already his hand already got moved for Artur Melo after uh, Henderson got injured Losing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know Losing like Jordan. yeah and only then we decided to make moves and I just um, I, I think yesterday I, I felt like he was actually being genuine I know you should read into what managers say you won't over, you know and I always say that to yeah. people but for me, it genuinely looked like he had been slapped across his face with a wet fish. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the way he went on to the fans and apologized and stuff like that, I I read a tweet uh, actually with he the picture of Jürgen, you know, holding his hand up to the traveling fans, and the caption said, "I never I never thought I'd see that from Jürgen because win or lose." You never thought that he had to be, you know, apologizing for anything. But that was not the case last night. And to take on from what you said, being humbled and all that, I'm guessing, and that's my, that's just a guess uh, from the top of my head, that reinventing ourselves means that maybe Klopp is... We cannot longer, no longer 
try to play the same football with so much success all over these, these years. We cannot go on and playing this same type of football because we are no longer capable of doing that and win games. We have to re reinvent ourselves in order to find ways to win games. What, 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 do you, right what, what do you think he means by reinvent? I know you're, you're, you're like trying to play it in your head. Is he, do you think, obviously, this Liverpool style of football that they've been playing has been quite unrecognized, very yeah. recognizable. I just think you have to go back to what you were. Yeah, like maybe less, less, I think maybe not so much of a high defensive line, maybe, uh, Taking some more caution in our defending, maybe restructuring the way we set up defender press high up on the pitch, maybe stuff like that. Maybe stuff I, like that I think it's we right. We are no longer physically. Mm. You carry on. Maybe we're not. Not about the phrase they have been figured out. Great sides or the great managers always stuck to their game and never changed for everybody. And everybody knew what the great team tried to do on the pitch. Everybody knew. There were no secrets, but nobody uh, controlled it and faced it. So I, I hate the phrase, they have been figured out. It's not about trying something new. It's about being at the best of your game in what you're doing. And right now, I think, I feel that we are no longer able doing what we have been doing and win in the same way that we won. And we cannot call the season right? We cannot mm. end the season right now. We are only in September. Mm. Lots of football to be played and we have a a break for the World Cup as well, which is unprecedented and we don't know how it's gonna affect teams. We cannot we cannot quit the season right now. We're not playing football manager and trying new shape. We have to carry on, right? And we have to win games because maybe we're not able to win the league or any trophy, but we have to keep winning and try to finish the top four and keep and uh, you know take our chances in the Champions League and stuff stuff like that. I don't feel that we can all we can win in the way we did. We have to find a new way to win games. We cannot be stubborn and say, you know what, this is the Liverpool way and we always play that like that. So we we, we will keep trying. Until it clicks, it won't. Feeling that it won't click. So right now we have to reinvent ways without sticking in the Liverpool way of playing that we have for the past seasons. That's my <laughs> my guess, my take, my view on the situation right now. We have to find. A different way to win. Watch this space. Watch this space. I mean, any any thoughts on like the Napoli game? Any any sort of takeaways? Because I just felt like I, I have to agree with the Jurgen Klopp's comments that you know Napoli were very good, but also Liverpool were very bad, and um, it could have been so much worse. It absolutely could have been so much worse, and that is probably the most scary thing. I mean, the fact that you know the third goal, and, Simeone, and so much better. And so much better if we had taken our chances better. I mean, we have to find the silver lining somewhere, right? Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could have scored more. Maybe. 
Yeah. Was overall? overall was not our night, and um, I mean, I guess again, if we're looking for silver linings, um, you know, I've seen a lot of um Twitter chit chat about, you know, maybe this is uh the the Spurs for one uh, defining moment for the Reds, and you know what, it probably humbled a lot of them as well. You know, like the fact that they got embarrassed like that. You know, the fact that, you know. They got schools like that. Like the world was watching them, and I love Jurgen Klopp's comments about the at the end when um uh, we he he spoke to BT and he goes, "Wolves are probably laughing at us, and you know now probably a good yeah. time to play us." You know, like he was just very very candid yeah. about it, and you know they will. I'm um, no doubt that will plague them. The fact that you know they put in that kind of performance, they got schools like that, they got done like that because they. They, in their heads, there are some elite footballers in that Liverpool side. You know, like, let's not forget that. And for them to be outworked, outmuscled, mm-hmm. outthought mm-hmm. like that by this Napoli side, um, is, is quite embarrassing. Like, I, I think, you know, that will probably hurt a lot of egos and maybe it should. Maybe there is an element of arrogance about some of the performances and maybe what they think of themselves that, oh, we don't need to up it a level. Um, yes, you absolutely do. Um, it was a disgrace. Yeah. An absolute disgrace. And it's not going to get easier. Um, you know, it is absolutely not going to get easier for you. So I'm really, really intrigued now to see. Um, I'm more intrigued to see now what the response is going to be and what they do um, to, you know, try addressing this. I mean, I'm just looking at things. And I'm just thinking, you know what? Um, how do we even, like, shore it up? Is it a case of, like, I don't know. Like, for me, again, I got really baffled. Like, you were 4-1 down. I would have just thrown Melo in a lot sooner. I told Melo, you're 4-1 mm-hmm. down. In in a sense, that like, what have you got to lose? Just bring him on. You you said post one of the games, I can't pre one of the games. He's just not ready and he's not. we're not integrating him just yet. But you're all right to play a James Milner who is literally on his last legs. Just throw him on. You're 4-1 down. You have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I maybe it was just protect, protecting him, but yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think I, can you, what I you're think saying. I think you can tell I'm absolutely disgusted by that. But it's not going to get easier. <laughs> it's not going to get easy for the Reds, um, Themis, because obviously in our group we have Ajax and Rangers, and um, mm-hmm. they also put four past Rangers. And um, the silver lining again is the fact that we are in a Europa League spot because we scored one goal. <laughs> Uh, don't talk to me about the Europa League right now. I mean, come on. Come on. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yes, we... I mean, they won 4 nil, and they, you know, like... It's... And I've, I've always thought that it's, it's a tough group because even we were we, we, we were at our best, it was never easy to go and play in Napoli, right? I agree. One of the most, one of the, our most horrible games. This was Napoli when Ancelotti was their manager. Yeah, two nil, right? When we we didn't yeah. have a shot on target. Exactly, exactly. And we are, we were at top. We had nothing to worry about, and we said, you know, bad day at the office. Move on. Yeah, uh, and, let's and I think go and, and win I, the next game. And that's it, theme is that's what bothers because when we lost that game, we were we were flying high in the league, and we actually won the league that year. So it was just like, mm-hmm. oh. Bad, bad yeah. performance, bad result. You know, one of them because it was a bad performance as well. Like Liverpool deserved to lose that game. 
uh, I think we'll all agree on that. You know, they were holding on for dear life and then they just got absolutely blown apart, you know, with two goals. And uh, I think it was deserved. But this time round, it is just um, like like we've agreed, it's just a domino effect of bad um, of of bad results. But yeah, it's a tough group. It's a tough group. It's a tough group, and take nothing for granted. And uh, you know, I love I like the spot from club about you know Wolves laughing at because I think he was trying to you know to provoke a reaction from the team. Yeah. Speaking from reactions because you mentioned that. I think you can get what's the game been thinking about you the most this season. You can guess it. It'll be the United one, won't it? No, it's it's the Bournemouth game. Ah, okay. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Because we it's lost to United game. and then we hammered Bournemouth. Yes. Yeah, and I don't want you to be scoring two goals from corners in that game. I want you to be scoring from corners in Goodison. So we can win the game there. I don't want you to score from outside the box versus Bournemouth. Like we did twice. Twice in the same game. Twice outside the box. Twice from corners. I hate that. I hate that because at the end of the season, they're going to say, you know what? Liverpool scored from outside the box that many times. Or Liverpool scored from corners that many times. I want goals from outside the box, which are so rare in a game. And I want goals from corners in the tight games when we are drawing the game in Goodison. I don't want you to score from outside the box, Trent or Elliot versus Bournemouth, because we don't need that. I and I also want, and I also want goals to be evenly distributed and you're winning more points exactly. than one goals per game. Exactly, because everybody said that our expected goals underperformance was corrected in that game, but we don't get take any extra points for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't want it. To, I, don't, I don't want to be. I don't want the underperformance to be corrected in a, in a game. I want it to be corrected in a series of games. Either luck, maybe in a game that we haven't produced any quality chances, we find a miracle strike and we win the game. That's great when it happens, because it gives you three points and a scrappy win and maybe undeserved win and stuff like that. That's what I need. And from the, I thought about that. I'm not ashamed to say that. I thought about that slide last night also. Diaz has been magnificent so far in the season, but so unlucky with his finishing, right? It's yeah, I mean, he even got ball. that header, didn't he, as well? You're like, oh, yes, oh. yes, exactly. And when that ball went in versus Napoli, I said, don't score that now. Score that now. We have already lost the game. 4-0, 4-1. What's the difference? Score that versus Everton, and you'll be a hero. And we'll take three points. And we will only be two points behind City. And I'm not saying that we can catch Manchester City or stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's all about the, the psychology of the group as well. I mean, we won the way we won versus Newcastle. Got the win at Goodison. Nothing that we have been talking about will be fixed. But we have two more points. I don't care how you play on the pitch. And I would love to have points from the Fuller game. Or the the Everton game, let's say. It would have been much better. Keep talking about all these problems. Four or five more points at the end of the season. Mm. But, you know, he found the back of the net. He found, he found the back of the net. Back of the net when we didn't need him to do. But hopefully he will, you know, gain the the confidence that he can score goals because. 
if he finds a vein of form in his finishing, can be he can score in every in every game. I, I firmly believe that. Yeah, I I do too. And uh, he's definitely definitely probably the the bright spark. And um, you know, if um, if sort of, I think you know, just things will just slowly slowly. Maybe you know, like you gotta have a positive spin on it. But I just think things will slowly slowly start changing once you know you you kind of um see some of these players scoring again and more so you know like and and i think what like you said once the points come i think the performances will come as well because there's a belief of confidence right now nothing's going that way but you know what let's see what they're made out of but let's females let's kind of carry on talking a bit about europe and obviously a lot went down and I guess, you know, we, um, uh, you know, Ajax won 4-0 against Rangers. I am not surprised at that one. I will be absolutely honest. Let's go to some of the other English teams um, real, real quickly. Um, Spurs versus Marseille. Uh, Conte and Tudor, um, a reunion down the touchline. Obviously, I'm way old enough to remember when they both played for Juve. You know, Richarlison <laughs> getting two Champions League goals. Um, yeah, his debut, actually. Debut as well, yeah. Obviously, yeah, first time playing the Champions League obviously meant a lot to him. I, you know, um, uh, I, you know, him getting emotional. I don't like the guy, but that was, it was, I don't know, that was maybe a nice moment because obviously yeah. they dream of that. And he, you know, like it was, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a dream made reality for him. And obviously when you look at, you know, how these footballers sort of rise up and um you know how how they make it as well you know so um yeah spurs um didn't do a spursy thing <laughs> yeah because with conte you they're trying to be as 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 little as spursy as possible and what you said about Richarlison is so spot on i mean players with that ego that kind of ego actually because all players have ego but that kind of ego, that kind of uh, behavior on the pitch. I wish that they, they, they would know how much more likely they are when they express real emotions, mm. tending to be, you know, street bullies and stuff like that. I mean, as you said, he's like a week. Cristiano Ronaldo, when he's nowhere near that level. <laughs> but when he is emotional and true to his feelings, Fans said, you know what? Great moment for him. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Even what? What if they all knew that they don't have to be behaving like that on the pitch, and they, they would be much, much more likable and you know established in the world of football if they were true to their feelings and not trying to be something they're not on the pitch. So that's about you know the Spurs win. Uh, I really like what uh, Conte is trying to do. With this team, because he is great, a great manager in terms of how fast he can improve his teams. He always does that. Always does that. He never stays for the long time. You know, never have a you know a plan for a rebuild and you know stay for three, four, five, six seasons. Maybe no, no, no. He's one, two, three, and I'm out. But during that time. Uh, you can never say that uh, he didn't improve uh, his team in every aspect of the game. He, he can do that. He always does that in everything. Mm. 
yeah and he's an absolute psycho so you will actually um uh, do exactly what he tells you to do you know there's that fear element and it's never a bad thing i almost feel like he's uh, maybe the premier league's like kind of diego simeone in the sense of like bad cop bad cop um uh, in their group of course frankfurt and sporting uh, i thought it was a bit of a shocking result for frankfurt i actually thought they'd do quite well against sporting given the fact that, you know, they are doing quite well in the Bundesliga. Um, uh, but yeah, they lost 3-0. I think that group could be quite interesting with, you know, I think obviously Spurs we know, but like, you know, Marseille, Frankfurt and Sporting, uh, I think that, you know, those three, um, I, I think those three could be quite interesting in that mix. Yeah, you can, uh, my, my, my motto is that apart from Bayern Munich, you can never trust the German team, never, ever. They are capable of winning. Never, ever. They cannot possibly guess what they're going to do. Never. Apart from Bayern Munich, right? Yeah. Out of the mix. Every other German club capable of winning. Everybody. And you watch them do it and you say, yeah, great team, offensive football. And they can lose and be hammered by anybody. Trust. You cannot trust. A German team apart from Bayern Munich. Oh, yeah, the rest of them are clearly lacking the German efficiency yet, that cliche. And speaking of Bayern, of course, we, we had the, um, uh, the, the rerun of uh, the Champions League final from back here in 2010. By, into Bayern, uh, Bayern just being Bayern, um, winning 2-0 there. Leroy Sane doing his bits, um, Quite sad to see Sadio Mane in, in that shirt, but I kind of um, uh, you know, he's doing he's doing well. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Bayern Munich, um, you know, setting down their marker quick because obviously they're in that group of death. Yes, but uh, for for Inter, you know, we talked about them last season, right? And yeah. for uh, AC Milan as well when we faced them, when we faced them, and uh, not quite there in terms of intensity. Yeah, they kind of lost the they lost the Milan derby as well, didn't they? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Italian teams not quite there in terms of intensity uh, for me. I mean, when you're talking about facing the team from Premier League and facing Bayern Munich, yeah, the Italians are not there yet, not there. The expert has spoken, and obviously, um, Barca were playing. Uh, and it finished 5-1. I mean, would it be a Champions League group stage or just a Champions League game just in general if Lewandowski does not score a hat-trick? Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> just in different colours this time. Yeah, because, you know what, it's like he's, uh, you know, rejuvenated um, in a way. I mean, uh, he was never really recognised for being the wonderful footballer that he is. But uh, that was down to the fact that he was playing in Bayern Munich and nobody cared about the Bundesliga. It's harsh, but it's true. And he only had the Champions League to prove himself, uh, right? If, it, if, it, if he played in the Premier League for the past five, six, I don't know how many seasons, you would be saying that he was one of the best footballers ever to play in the Premier League. But he never did. And uh, somehow I think he was late Bayern Munich. And uh, right now he seems to go in the in Barcelona where the the ship is sinking. But with him scoring and everybody around Xavi in this rebirth of Barcelona, 
they're all smiling again. And that's that for me is the most important thing about Barcelona. Maybe they're not ready to win again, league or the Champions League and stuff like that. But you cannot always be the best team in Europe. And uh, there is some balance in between. You don't have to be the worst team in Europe. <laughs> so the fact that they're smiling and they have their optimism back, it kind of you know reminds me of how we felt the, the first season with Jurgen at the helm. Quite there yet, we had reasons to, to talk and watch football again. And uh, we, we knew that we had, we had a long way to go, but uh, we had a smile on our face when everybody who is not supporting Liverpool said, uh, yeah, you got Jurgen and uh, you're not going to win anything soon enough. And we had a smile on our face because we were thinking, you know what, just wait a little while, just wait. You will see, because we know that we are improving week in, week out, month in, month out, and we, we're going to get there. We had that belief that we're back on the rise again, mm. if, if things were not working our way. I'm feeling that, in a way, what uh, Barcelona are doing right now with Xavi at, Xavi at the helm and Lewandowski and stuff like that, reminds me of what we tried to do when we got uh, Interesting stuff, yeah. Um, uh, I think they, it's good to it'll be good to see what happens for them in in the Champions League in that group as well. And of course, Lewandowski making his um, return back to uh, Bayern Munich it should always be good. So far, we've covered Group D, Group A, obviously Liverpool's, and we've just covered Group C. Let's move on to Group B now. Atletico Madrid two Porto one. It feels like this game only kicked off after injury time. If you look at the goals, yeah. It's like all the drama was there for injury time. Classic Diego Simeone kind of game. But yeah, um, really, really funny stuff because it was all stoppage time drama. You know, Atleti score, Porto get a penalty and convert it, and then yeah. Griezmann scores the winner. Yeah, from a corner of the far yeah. post. And you know what? You, you know the, the amazing thing about Griezmann and Atletico this year? Have you read the speculation about his contract? Yeah, apparently so you can only pay if you pay it a certain amount of minutes. Um, uh, right. Let's see, don't have right. to pay his. Uh, yeah, there's something really shifty about how Diego Simeone yeah. uses it. Yeah, they they always bring him in. The hour mark. They bring him in if he if they bring him in the game after the clock hits uh, 60, doesn't count as an as a whole appearance. Bring him in in the 62, 63, 64th minute of the game. And everybody was wondering that now. Does injury time count in that or not? Because he scored that the, it was 11 minutes, the, the, the 19 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Actually, doesn't. <laughs> so if he comes in, Fox says 61 minutes and 30 seconds. He has only played uh, 28 minutes. I love it. As a, not count, and they don't have to pay it. The <laughs> dark heart. The dark heart, yeah. Diego Simeone. And you know what that reminds me of? It's like the football equivalent of, you know, your 30-day free trial, and then you, when it comes to the end, you cancel it and then set up another email and then try doing it again and again and again. That is what Diego Simeone is doing with Antoine Griezmann. <laughs> but, yeah, but for him to score... At injury time, 11 minutes. Mm. It was amazing, amazing. 
And everybody talks about that. Does that count as a whole performance or not? But uh, in fact, it doesn't. There you go, listeners. Uh, he only, yeah, he only played 28 minutes, according to the court last night. <laughs> Good stuff. And in their group was um, uh, Bruges and Leverkusen showdown. Bruges and the Simon Mignolet's Bruges. Uh, 1-0. Uh, what you said was pretty much true. Just don't really mu- rely much on the Bundesliga team at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they lost 1-0. Um yeah, um, uh, I just think those kind of groups and those games kind of just unfold themselves as they go on. I think there'll probably be some twists and turns along the way. Right, Themis, I'm going to turn your attention to the first sacking. And um, uh, I think we have to go there because we absolutely should. Um, group E, uh, Dinamo Zagreb 1, Chelsea 0. I mean... Of course, it and we woke up the following morning, which was obviously yesterday, Wednesday, um, to uh, yep. the news that Thomas Tuchel has been sacked. I don't think it was because of this game. I think it was largely down to many, many things, and then this just kind of being the the reason the scapegoat to kind of get rid of him. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very, very interesting game because. You know, like, there was some, like, I thought their goalkeeper had a worldie. I thought Lubatic had a really good yeah. game. You know, he almost reminded, you know, because they were wearing blues, I grab, like, and I subconsciously always associate Chelsea with blue. And he just was giving mm-hmm. me, um, like, in the way he looked, in, in, in the way he looked, like, Cucurella vibes because of his hair. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. real, you know, like, it was just, um, I don't think a lot of people envisaged that from Chelsea is maybe what I'm getting at. And um, obviously the first um, Champions League managerial sacking in Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, I mean, and uh, as we recording this pod, uh, Graham Potter was announced as the new head manager. He's the new manager of Chelsea. He was announced, uh, I don't know, 21 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, I've just, but, I've just jumped to Twitter now. I've seen it as well. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's really weird with Thomas Tuchel because it's so characteristic of Chelsea him so quickly, right? They used to do it with Roman Abramovich and now they're doing it under the new uh, owner as well. And it seems like, you know, it, it's their way of doing uh, business. We, if you were thinking that uh, things are not going well, as out you go, and uh, we don't care if you're Mourinho, if you're Di Matteo, if you have won the Champions League for us. None of that stuff uh, matters, and uh, we are ruthless in that way. In fact, they do not value the role of their manager in their team, in their club. I mean, uh, it's not the way we think football is uh, supposed to be played in Liverpool, but it's their way of thinking and it's so characteristic of Chelsea to yeah. give him £250 million pounds, yep. remember, to, to, <laughs> to buy the players he wanted and then five games into the season, out you go and we're going to bring a new manager to work with the players the old manager bought <laughs> and see how that goes. I mean, that's the Chelsea way, right? Maybe the United Way as well in some uh, of the past seasons. Yeah. And it's weird because 
uh, you're thinking that's not the proper way to run a football club. The other way, things that uh, Tuchel did wrong since they won the Champions League. I mean, the transfer of Lukaku was a big, big, big fiasco. Yeah. A huge fiasco. And and you know what? If at the end of the season, Chelsea would say, you know what? Uh, you've done horribly. Not in the, in the way that we are playing, but in the way you have managed the teams and the transfers and all that stuff. And uh, we think it, it would be better to part ways right now. I would say, you know what? Fair play. You brought Lukaku back for uh, 90 million pounds, was it? Something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the worst transfers ever in the history of football. And you deserve to be punished for thinking that the fluidity of Chelsea's attack to bring that guy in. That was a horrible, horrible mistake. Be punished for that. But they didn't do that. <laughs> they sent Lukaku back on loan. Got rid of Werner, which is a shame because they never had any belief in him. And they went without a striker until the last day of the transfers when they brought Obama Young, 33. I mean, we're talking about Liverpool and midfielders and stuff like that, but the way they thought transfer market that they paid for Fofana and, and uh, Kukurela, I mean, those amount of money for those players. Panic, panic buy. Yeah. Organization. Mm. And I don't know if Tuchel is, you know, behind all of those decisions. Not. But in a way, he was responsible as well. One hand, and I think it's, you know, a way to run a football club to hire, to sack somebody so early in the season. But on the other hand, I think he was the right place after the winning the Sabres League. And to be fair, the whole Abramovich saga and stuff like that feel that affected as well. You cannot mm. solely take the blame and be responsible for everything, but he has to take some responsibility, especially for the Lukaku transfer. But because if you're bringing a player back in for that amount of money, you have to, you can never, you never know in football if he's gonna, oh, maybe he's injured and stuff like that, but at least it has to be the right fit. Yeah. In your attack, you have to have a specific plan for him. You cannot say after, you know what, it doesn't work. You should have known that. You should have known that it wouldn't work before bringing him in. Because mm. he was not a youngster or a cheap option or stuff like that, or, you know, taking a gamble or stuff like that. People, uh, teams do that with transfers, and it's okay take a gamble with a youngster or, or anything like that. But to bring that player, that amount of money, too much time say, you know what, it doesn't work. Well, boy, <laughs> that's, that's unacceptable for me. Mm. Yeah, and obviously we're, we're, we're sort of crying at the fact that, you know, Liverpool maybe had um, weren't so active in the transfer window in terms of like, obviously we've spoken about addressing the midfield, but maybe um, I feel like maybe they just, have too many options like I just feel like Chelsea at the moment don't really have an identity like there's just too many like Justin said it on the pod and um, uh, on the Euro incision the one that you missed and he just goes they're just a mishmash of players like you don't really know like their style and like obviously you kind of look at the exactly. kind of players that they've been getting and you know it, that you know you know like 
Jurgen Klopp always speaks there about getting no the right player. Yes, yes, and I think that general you know, idea. and sometimes buying too much can also be a, a headache as well. And of course, in their group, Salzburg, um, Salzburg and Milan, which finished one all. Um, uh, I think that you know, um, uh, I think that group is pretty much uh, wide open, and it'll be very interesting to see what Graham Potter does actually in Champions League and um, how he can motivate them. Theme is Group F. Celtic nil, um, uh, Real Madrid three. Now, you know, like Real Madrid doing Real Madrid things there. On 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 paper, it looks like a very very like good result. But in the first half, I thought Celtic had a fair few chances, and um, you know, had had one of those chances sort of gone in, you know, gone in for um for Celtic. I think you know it could have been a very very interesting game for um. Uh, for, I think it was McGregor who hits the crossbar in the first half. You know, that could have been a very, very different different game. <laughs> and, of course, Luka Modric showing his class um, for the second goal. Yeah. Um, just absolutely wonderful. I mean, even Eden, Eden Hazard scored a goal. Benzema got subbed off. Uh, Vinny Jr. gets his classic Vinny Jr. Yeah. goal. But it was really a game of fine margins, in my opinion, in, in a sense that um, it was just basically Real Madrid just being very, very more clinical in their shooting. But I think maybe a positive showing from Celtic. Really positive showing for Celtic, mm. and they have uh, a manager with Greek origins. He's not actually, you know, 100% Greek, but he has Greek origins. And uh, but can you please do me a favor, Nina? Mm. Don't put chances and Real Madrid in the same set. Oh, sorry, sorry, because we know what. Happens. <laughs> yes, yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know what? They, yeah, are, because... they are the most. I think they are the most impressive team when it comes to transitional play. Like, the way they turn the ball over is actually quite scary. Uh, it seems that... I used to say that last season, and I, I, I have a feeling that I will keep saying that for many seasons to come. It doesn't matter if you play well versus Real Madrid. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. City played well, they got knocked out. Liverpool played them in the final. We had an amazing, I think, game in offense, creating amazing chances. The level of the game in the Champions League final, and it didn't matter the win. It doesn't matter how you play versus Real Madrid. It doesn't really matter. If you're Celtic, if you're Liverpool, if you're City, if you're Paris Saint-Germain, or anybody, it doesn't matter when you play them. I hate them for that, and I admire them at the same time. <laughs> I mean, once Valdano said, he was a Real Madrid legend. Said nobody plays bad football as good as Real Madrid plays bad football. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I done. like that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was it, it comes from a legend of the club position. It, it's, there is no bitterness in the court. There is absolute admiration mm-hmm. for what they're doing. They find moments of brilliance, brilliant performances. <laughs> I mean, they find moments of brilliance and they win games because they are the Real Madrid and Luka Modric outside of the boot and Vinicius emerging as a world-class star right now. They're going to miss Benzema for three or four weeks mm-hmm. and he's going to miss the derby with uh, Atletico who came off injured, as you mentioned. And they find these moments of brilliance and give you the, the feeling that they played brilliantly. They actually never do <laughs> as a group. Mm-hmm. But I have to give credit for them 
And uh, one of those things is that they know how to say goodbye. And that's it's going to be my last line on the pod. Because maybe, maybe, just maybe, Liverpool is there. Real Madrid did not replicate the mistakes that Barcelona because Barcelona stuck with the legends for far too long, mm-hmm. if you ask me. And I'm not talking about Messi because Messi is one of the kind. I'm talking about Busquets, I'm talking about Pique and all that stuff. I, I, I think Real Madrid's lesson was low glass because the most underachieved, I think they underachieved for the amount of money they spent on the squad they tried to assemble. Of course, of course they did, and nobody remembers that. Yeah. yeah. Of course they did, of course they did. But right now, with Sergio Ramos, and when he came back and said, you know what, A for one more season, he said, they said, no, 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 you asked for two seasons, we said no, goodbye. And maybe Liverpool should take note from that, just saying. Yeah, and and this year they said, ooh, Man United are looking for a, for a defensive midfielder. How old are you, Casemiro? 30 years old? Yeah, fine. You want five Champions League? Out you go. So long. Yep. Have a nice one in Manchester. United pay, give him a five-year-old deal from now on. Because we have... He had three years remaining in his contract, mm. and United are offering five. Yeah, off you go. And we bought Suameni. He got crossed in Modric in the last one or couple or two seasons, but we have already planned. Maybe we would like you to stay for one more season, but you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to be doing Easy things be right. Good. Mm-hmm. He did that with Ronaldo as well. Yep. He shocked everybody. Shocked everybody after that, after that final in Kiev. Nobody expected that. He said, you know what? I have achieved everything. I got no crybabies. No, no, Ronaldo, you cannot go. You are a legend of the club and you should stay here until the final game of your career. And you, we want you to retire here and stuff like that. No, 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 no. You want to go? As you go. And they won again without him. Yep, they actually did. And it's, it's almost like they knew that his career was on the decline and they were going to, you know, make um, him go to Juve was smart. I do think they are, I think they're on it. And I do like the fact that they just kind of get rid of players. And, you know, the, like the Sergio Ramos stuff as well, like you've just said, you know what? Be gone, be gone, you know, and not be. You are a legend, but go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah know, we'll, we'll survive. We'll survive. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no, um, uh, you know, room for sentiments there, and, uh, and I kind of respect that. So in their group, uh, Leipzig won, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Real Madrid always in the group. There's another one for the ages as well. Them two always seem to always get each other. Um, Shakhtar Donetsk for, um, of course, the second uh, managerial um, uh, casualty was, of course, their manager. Uh, Domenico Tedesco uh, sacked as well, you know, straight after that one. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, to lose at home like that in that manner as well. Um, and obviously, I don't think Leipzig are doing overly well in the Bundesliga as well. So I think, again, this was a build-up and not a reactionary thing. But yeah, another manager gone. Yeah. Well, it's just the way it is <laughs> right now. It is. In, uh, yeah, in yeah. modern football, if, if you... 
if things are not going well, you're one or two games away from uh, getting the sack. It's, it's, they don't have the patience, patience and they don't have the, the trust in the manager's role. They feel, and you know what, in some teams, in some clubs, uh, they are correct because in the way they are built, they are organized around football. They are absolutely right to do that, manager, because it's not about their manager. It's about other stuff. Mm. So they are right. To, I'm talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm Greek. I mean, we can have three managerial changes in a big club here in, in Greece every season. We do that. <laughs> I mean... It's normal. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely... You know, I have a quote a couple of years ago in, in a, are you with me now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. I said that uh, in a couple of seasons ago. I said that, you know, Chelsea are the most Greek team. Everybody said, you know what? That's brilliant. Uh, I love team. that. Yeah. This is what, this is what we, we think about football. We, we have an owner and everybody admires the owner. Is responsible for the club's success, not the manager, not the players. No, 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 no. It's all about the owner. That's what we do here in Greece. So I said, you know, Premier League, it's, Chelsea is a Greek team. They won the Champions League with an interim manager. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> we win. Yeah, that's what we do. And uh, the, the minute I got, you know, mentions saying, you know what, you're right. Won the Champions League again. Big club. <laughs> it's all about the owner and how much money he spends. All big. I love it. Chelsea are a, yeah, Chelsea are a Greek club, actually. That, there you go, people. Chelsea are a Greek club. You love to see it. I mean, I'm just going to quickly run through this because this is just so, so standard, in my opinion. Dortmund 3 um, at Copenhagen nil. Sevilla got absolutely bamboozled by Man City. Um, uh, should we expect anything less? Um, Haaland scoring two goals. Are we surprised he did that for Dortmund as well? He's just a goal-scoring machine. Yeah, that group, pretty much everything is everything. I think the one last place I want to go to you is obviously Group H. Benfica 2, Maccabi Haifa nil. And then, obviously, I think this was probably the game that everyone was kind of watching on Tuesday. Uh, PSG 2, Juventus 1. Uh, Kylian Mbappe just showing the world why he is just so sensational. You know, I love how he's always involved in the goals that he scored. But for me, Femis, I, I mean, I don't know if you watched this game. I watched this game and so much triggered me about this game. And I didn't think I could be more triggered after watching Juve's performance, dire performance. But clearly, uh, there were different plans for me the next day after watching Liverpool. But, you know, Juve pull it back at a decent time. You know, um, yeah. it's 2-0, they pull it back at a decent time. And they are so tepid. There is no urgency. I saw the centre-backs for Paris Saint-Germain playing the ball to each other and the attackers are just stood there watching, no pressing, no closing down, no urgency. <laughs> just playing around the ball, play, play, you know, playing it, it, just the most strangest game of football. There was no offensive urgency Nothing, and you know what? That game felt like it dragged for three days. Um, you, <laughs> yeah, you absolutely, know, absolutely. it was so was bad. Up. He missed. Well, it was yeah, so it was bad. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Watch for you. 
I mean, one is about, you know, city and talent. And uh, you know what happens when you put a Mentons in Coca-Cola? No, tell me. It, don't know what happens if you put a Mentos in a Coca-Cola, it explodes. I've like never done that. Really? Oh, you know what I'm going to do now. Yeah. No, no, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, do it. Okay. don't try this at home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home. Just watch some videos. Okay. Okay. This is what happens in the in cities often when they add the talent. This is what, uh, what we get. This is the chemical reaction of adding a footballer like nobody else on the planet, uh, in a team that plays football like nobody else. And somebody that plays the, the most majestic crosses to him, like um, Kevin De Bruyne as well, is also worth yeah. it as well. Yeah. You know, that, exactly. that cross for his first goal was just um, really just... Yeah, it's like passing with the, yeah. the ball in, in his hands. It's like playing basketball, you know, when you have the accuracy because you're passing with your hands, it's stuff like that. Mm. And as far as the PSG-Juventus game, I totally agree with you on the second half. It was like it was on forever. It was like yes. Benfur or Lawrence of Arabia or something like that. <laughs> Four hours long movie. Yeah. Uh, but two, two things on that. And uh, Juventus are horrible. Yep. I mean, horrible, horrible football. Agri sets them up. It's, I mean, it's so outdated. I cannot even begin to how many things are going wrong with them. And two, as far as PSG is uh, concerned, the only thing I kept watching on that second half, which was so boring, is, is that whether Neymar, Messi or Mbappe were striking back, they just had the ball. And not, I'm not talking about transitions right now. I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, about a fast break or stuff like that. Mm. I'm, not, I'm talking about, you know, Juventus having the ball and advancing past the halfway line, right? Yeah. For the whole second half, Juventus was playing versus eight players because Pape never ever bodies behind the ball. And I said that, I watched that and I said, you know what? When that changes. When you do that differently, let me know because yeah. that's when I think you can do something in the Champions League. As long as you keep doing that, because what, that's what they did in Madrid last season and they were knocked out by Real Madrid, mm. that famous uh, comeback. That, that's what they did. They kept thinking that they're going to qualify with eight players behind the ball. They never got the bodies, a few of them, Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, behind the ball. I'm not talking about high quality and high intensity pressing. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, be behind the ball. They are, they're attacking, so be behind the ball. Just try to give the team a compact uh, shape with your presence. If you're walking, if, you, if, you, if you're not running, just be behind the ball. And they never did that in the second half. And that's why you've had some, you know, some minor chances, you know, uh, got one goal and stuff like that. Yeah. He kept defending with only eight players behind the ball. And I said, I, wa I watched that and I said, you know what? Maybe when you change that, Nicole and I'll watch again and again because that's not. That's not the way you're going to succeed. And you know what I find most, most bizarre as well? Obviously, Juventus have, um, you know, a young, um, exciting striker, Vlahalovic, right? And you've got that kind of player, but there's absolutely no service to him. <laughs> and like, like you well, said, really dated, really outdated. 
Um, just, um, uh, you know, you're speaking about Allegri then, you know, his tactics being really outdated. And obviously, we, you know, we, we follow so many diverse people on social media and on Twitter. And, you know, um, Adam Digby, who is um, a Juventus fan and also, um, you know, he's living his dream job. He gets to cover Juventus for, um, you know, as, mm-hmm. a, as a journalist, you know, he's living his dream. And uh, obviously when the Tuchel, um, uh, Thomas Tuchel sacking was announced, he was like, I would love him here. You know, like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, I can understand. I can understand what you're saying, because the thing with Allegri cannot go on for yeah. much longer. I mean, they're, they're playing and the way they're set up on the pitch is just horrible. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page with that as well, Emma. You know, when you said that, you know, the Italian teams aren't quite there. I think the only one that might spin a surprise will probably be AC Milan, and uh, but the others, I I don't see much. Um, we'll see how Inter kind of fare as 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 this Emma. As these group stages progress, Themis, we've spoken a lot about the Champions League there. We've covered them all. We've got a really long pod as well. Um, lots of uh, talk about Liverpool there as well. Um, any final thoughts or takeaways uh, from um, the, the, this week's games? Anything you want to get off your chest? Well, no. I mean, just find a way to win. I like that. Yeah, just find a way to win. I don't, I don't care how. One yeah. nil, one nil. Van Dijk header, Matip header from a corner, and no chances at all. I don't care because right now it's not about the performance. It's not about uh, finding your style and pleasing the crowd like we thought we did versus Bournemouth, which I hated. I absolutely hated that game. Uh, it's not about that. Just find ways to win. Uh, improve our position in the league table and see where that takes us in a couple of uh, weeks or months. I like it, yep. A consistent run of things rather than flashing the pan kind of performances is exactly is what is needed here, Themis. Themis, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I know it was a hard one, but we, we went there, we did it. And uh, yeah, um, before I let you go, it's a new season, but i got to ask you, where can people find you on social media if they want to like give you a follow and things, because they should follow you. Yeah, I live on Twitter. My handle is my last name, uh, which is Kesaris, K-E-S-S-A-R-I-S. And I mainly tweet on uh, Greek, but <laughs> if you uh, mention me in English or want to ask or talk about anything, about Liverpool, football or the Greek islands, I'll, I'll make sure I'll get back to you. Give him a follow, Red. And for my part, um, hopefully I'll be back post um Wolves game, um, if um, everything is as it should be at the moment. I have no idea what's going on, obviously, with the Queen and things. But, yeah, I hopefully should be back post um, Wolves. Um, hopefully, I'm talking about a win. Diego Costa should be back as well. Um, fun times. But, yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I know that was a tough tough game to watch and probably a very very tough pod to listen to with us but guys hopefully things get better but thank you for listening take care till next time up the reds we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. 
Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.